Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a nice pitching wedge away from me across the Harpeth River, it's the coach dealing with uh, some, needing a little tinkering here on his offense after week one, uh, our, our coach in waiting, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? Uh, yeah, I, you're being extremely nice about it, Matt. We got our we got our tails kicked, but if you're in football long enough, it's bound to happen, and you're bound to have a game like that. I'm just I'm just hoping that my worst game is my first game, and it, it gets better here on out. But we got a good plan, and and I think we're gonna we're gonna do some big things this week. And we got an opponent that I think we match up well with, and we can build some confidence, and maybe down the road beat somebody that we shouldn't. All right. Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man who is taking uh, is uh, taking his talents to Carbondale this week uh, for a total eclipse of the heart. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, we're uh, recording this on a Sunday. Tomorrow is the 21st for at least us. I don't know when this will get posted, but... Uh... Carbondale, Illinois, home of the Salukis, Southern Illinois University. They have, like, the longest eclipse in the country, and it's only, like, a four-and-a-half-hour drive. It's really not that bad. So get up early, go on a little road trip, and should be fun. Can't All right. There. All right. Well, uh, fortunately for the coach and myself, the eclipse is coming right across metropolitan Nashville. So we will get to experience the totality in the comfort of our own backyards. So we do not have to drive the five plus hours that you will be tomorrow, Josh. Um, but <laughs> hey, speaking speaking of which, Josh, yeah. um, there is an opportunity that we can get all three amigos in the same city. <laughs> yeah, Matt texted me that. Come on, man, Pearl Cone, it's right up the road. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, uh, today starts our. Countless listeners are just like, "What the hell are they talking about?" Eclipses. Um, I download a college football podcast. They're talking about random schools and eclipses. Well, um, history jobs and eclipses. That's all, folks. That's the show. (laughs) Hope you have a good one. And that is our preview. We have not been researching football at all. (laughs) We've been talking about school. Well, uh, we are starting off, as uh, Josh and the coach have alluded to, our season preview series. And so up first, in no particular order, except for they play a bunch of games on the first day of the season, we are going to start with the Mountain West Conference. So the way we're doing it this year, um, each one of us are taking a couple different conferences, uh, sort of taking the lead, and the other guys will will chime in with their thoughts. But, uh, Josh, you've got the Mountain West um, and I know that we all love the Fighting Bobos. Uh, do you think that they can make a run at the title? Well, it's not going to be easy. The Mountain West Mountain Division is the stacked division in this league. Uh, five of the six teams made a bowl last year. I expect the same five to make bowl games again this season with Utah State being the odd man out. I had a really hard time picking a champ for this division, but I ultimately settled 
with those fighting Bobos. I went with Colorado State. Uh, I don't think they're more talented than Boise, and Wyoming does have an edge at quarterback, but the Rams are the most complete team as we kick off the season, and they return the most talent of these three teams. Uh, they also host Boise with a brand-new stadium. I expect an emotional boost all season long for their home games. Um, and so here's what I like and uh, don't like about each team in the mountain, starting with those fighting Bobos. Uh, quarterback Nick Stevens uh, was on fire down the stretch. If you remember, he lost his job to Colin Hill. Hilden got hurt. Stevens reclaimed his job, got them to the bowl. Uh, with both kids back, State has a lot of depth at that position with Stevens leading the way. Also leading the way, uh, wide receiver Michael Gallup is back. Wasabi Johnson is back. So a lot of targets for Stevens to throw to. Gallup had nearly 1,300 yards, 14 scores, and an awesome 16.7 average. Johnson had over 600 yards, four scores, and a bonkers 21.9 average per reception. Uh, these two really make the Rams have probably the best receiving court in the conference, um, by far the best in the division. Yeah, I, I, for, for me, Gallup is a, a guy you really want to keep your eye on. He's uh, he's such a productive receiver. He, uh, for my money, the best receiver in the conference um, and one of the best in all of the group of five. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, some of their recruiting is starting to show up. You know, Mike Bobo's done a tremendous job uh, at what he's good at, recruiting the Southeast. And, and I think he's brought a lot of that flair out to uh, out to Colorado State and and you got talented guys like Michael Gallup, who's going who's gonna to do big things for the Rams. And this is going to be kind of a pivotal year for Bobo. They open a brand-new stadium. The energy around the program is at an all-time high. And, and things are looking on the up-and-up for Colorado State. Unfortunately, they play in a tough division, and they're going to have a, a tough road ahead of them. But I, I think they're, they're a team that could jump up there. If they get a little bit of confidence at the beginning of the year, they're a team that can jump up there and, and really make a run. Well, a few other things uh, that I like about the Rams. Uh, I thought you guys hit their passing game really well, but that running back depth is really, really intriguing. Dalen Dawkins had just under 1,000 yards last season. He's also caught 20 or more passes the last two seasons. Izzy Matthews had over 700, uh, but was a beast in the red zone with 13 rushing touchdowns. And the young gun of the group, uh, Marvin Kinsey Jr., had 546 yards and nearly six yards per pop and seven touchdowns. As a freshman last year, Kinsey tore his ACL in December, but his rehab is going really well from all reports. And it sounds like as all systems go for him, that's a three-headed monster at running back. And uh, lastly, Matt, I know you like special teams. So in the off chance the Rams have a drive stall, uh, Wyatt Bryan will bail them out. He hit 11 of 14 field goals last year, showed his accuracy as he was eight from nine, eight of nine for 20 to 39 yards. Uh, and some distance, hit a 50-yarder last year, 53 or 55 on extra points. Uh, defense, also really good. I could go on and on and on um, about the defense, but I won't here. Uh, hey, hey uh, Josh, they have a couple of uh, Mountain West all-name team candidates here. They have yeah. uh, Zach Goldich. <laughs> they have uh, Ryan Stonehouse. That's their punter. Nice. <laughs> so just a couple of those guys there, Zach Goldich and Ryan Stonehouse. Booming <laughs> um, I guess if there's two things that will could derail Colorado State is uh, their secondary re- return some talent that isn't particularly deep. They're looking at Utah grad transfer Jordan Fogel to provide some depth. That's if he stays healthy. He was granted a sixth year of eligibility because he missed substantial time with two 
ACL tears, and the defensive line is a little undersized. I'm curious how redshirt freshman nose tackle Christian Colon pans out. He's 6'3", 335. If he can anchor that line, I expect Colorado State's defense to even improve on their uh, 60th overall ranking last year. Key dates for them, uh, November 4th at Wyoming, November 11th versus Boise State. A little bit of a trap game on October 14th. They host Nevada. It's a crossover game just six days before they travel to a really good New Mexico team. But um, my prediction is they go 7-1 and one in conference, get the tiebreaker over Boise State. Giving them an overall win-loss doesn't really seem fair because they have a heck of a non-conference slate with Oregon State, Colorado, and a trip to Alabama. But this is a really good team. It, it, it is a really good team. And one thing you didn't mention that I just wanted to add in, they've got a couple serious players on that offensive line as well. Um, anchored, obviously, by the Senate uh, senior, Jake Bennett, who is uh, returning as an all-conference pick and is a guy who's got a shot to be sort of second, third-team All-American. Uh, he he has that, that offensive line, you know, uh, running on all cylinders, make, making calls at the line of scrimmage, getting the other guys in the place where they need them to be. So uh, Jake Bennett, another guy, you know, really nice to have sort of that veteran senior leadership up the middle in the line for some of the younger uh, tackles and guards. Oddly enough, Bobo couldn't uh, couldn't put together a, a solid offensive line at the University of Georgia. That was one of the biggest <laughs> areas of concern. I've never I've never seen anything like it. I I, I guess he's learned from his mistakes, which is which is a good thing to see. Absolutely. Okay. What else you got for us, Josh? Here in the Mountain West. Well, I got Boise State finishing second uh, in the Mountain. I uh, got to start with junior Brett Rippin. He for his career, has been over 60% both seasons, over 3,300 yards both seasons, 20 or more touchdowns both seasons, and just eight picks in both seasons. His freshman sophomore seasons were both extremely strong. There's a chance once he ends his career that he's going to be one of the best boys he's ever produced. So this is a program that's had a lot of good quarterbacks go through the Smurf turf. Um, they did lose a lot of talent on that offense, but they do have one piece back, and that's Cedric Wilson. Uh, he finished second on the team in receptions last year and was second in yardage, but still had over 1,000 yards. And he led the team in receiving touchdowns with 11. Uh, we're at a camp as the tight end group has had as many as seven guys competing really hard, so that's going to be really neat, whichever two or three guys emerges in that depth chart. Their defense finished 41st a year ago. I think they'll be solid again with a deep defensive line, thanks to uh, David Moa really anchoring that line and some other good pieces back. Yeah, I love Moa. I, I think he is uh, possibly the the best defensive player in the whole conference. I think, you know, obviously Jelani Tavai from Hawaii will give him a run for his money as well, but Moa is such a beast in the trenches. Yeah, speaking about the trenches, though, uh, the reason I picked them to finish behind Colorado State is that offensive line graduated. Three starters, that's always tough to figure out. And then that linebacking core lost three of their top five tacklers to graduation. Their key dates, the same two opponents, uh, October 21st, Wyoming, November 11th at Colorado State. A little bit of a trap game for them, September 14th, an early one. They host New Mexico. This is just five days after a trip to Washington State. We know the tempo of the Cougars can really tire you out in a short week before playing a super physical, pounding running team in New Mexico that, by the way, they won 10 games in a bowl last year. So that's not an easy turnaround. My prediction, though, 
really uh, tricky non-conference with the Washington State game and BYU. But I think they go at least two and two in the non-conference, uh, beating Troy and Virginia. And then once in conference, I have them going seven and one with the lone loss to Colorado State. So another solid nine-win season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, can't really you know expect anything less than than that from the Broncos at this point, can you, Coach? No, I mean that's you know they're they're a solid mainstay. They're going to look ugly doing it in their uniforms, of course. And, uh, <laughs> if you want to listen to our Pac-12 Mountain West uniform podcast from uh, actually last week, wasn't it? Yep. But uh, you know they're they're always they're just well coached. Brian Harrison's done a good job. He's won 30, 31 games in the last three years as a head coach. Uh, you know they they uh, you know there's no doubt they got to be better. But defense. You know, they're going to they're gonna get pressure on the quarterback with David Boa. Cedric Wilson's going to get things going. Uh, that offensive line has has two seniors, one at center, which is a pivotal position on that unit. So, I mean, you know, you, you think they're going to do some good things. You, you would like to think they're going to do some good things. But, you know, this is a competitive division, and anything can happen, truthfully. And and uh, so we'll see. They, you know, they'll, they'll lace him up and uh, let it unfold. So I, I'm excited to see kind of how this conference and most notably this division pans out because I think it's going to be your your most competitive overall uh, division within the uh, group of five. All right. Uh, adding, to that, uh, adding to that competitiveness is Wyoming, who I have finishing third place. Josh Allen at quarterback, duh. That's why they're going to be contender. He's on top of the NFL draft lists right now. He's an absolute superstar. Uh, the defense does have a new defensive coordinator, but he's had a little bit of continuity with nine starters back. Of course, on the flip side, the defense finished 122nd a year ago. They're all conference center graduated, and all the primary weapons Allen got to enjoy last year have also graduated. But still, when you have the best quarterback in the conference, you stand a shot at it. Uh, They played that Boise State team on the 21st of October in Boise, and they host the Colorado State Rams on uh, November Fourth, uh, I believe I had jotted down, and so those are their two games. A little bit of a trap for them. I have two traps for them. The first is October twenty eighth, Mexico, and the other is November eleventh at Air Force. So right now the Lobos, uh, that game is sandwiched between the Mammoth Divisional Showdowns and the Falcons are right after that rough stretch. So there's a chance Wyoming pulls an upset, is in the driver's seat of the division and then stumbles against New Mexico or Air Force. Um, but they're still going to go to a bowl for sure. I think they go 6-2 and two in conference, and they go at least 2-2 two and two in the non-conference. Hey, they might beat my Hawkeyes. They could go 3-1 and one in, in their non-conference. So this is a really good team, just not quite enough there to repeat as division champs. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. They're going to look cool doing it. And uh, – I mean, Josh, I think you said just about everything I was going to say. I mean, they've got a lot of upperclassmen and returning starters, especially on offense. And, uh, you know, you just got to you gotta love what, what they have coming back and you got to love just kind of what they can do and the noise they can make. They're picking up steam in this conference, and they've, they've got a lot of confidence going. Yeah, well, Josh, you mentioned uh, Bob Davies' New Mexico team. Do you have them finishing fourth? I do have them finishing fourth, and they are my sleeper, even more so than Wyoming because I just – I don't trust Wyoming's defense enough to repeat as champions but of the division. But New Mexico has a lot to really like. Um, they start with quarterback Lamar Jordan. He can do just enough passing 
to keep you honest, but he's truly special running the ball. Uh, last year he had 739 yards, and that was with running a two-quarterback platoon. Now with the other quarterback graduated, it's all going to be Jordan. Honestly, pencil him in for 1,000 yards. I don't see how he doesn't get up to the 1,000-yard mark. Um, and they don't return all of their running backs, but they do have two really key kids back uh, for what was the leading rushing attack in the country last year. Uh, Tyrone Owens, he was third on the team in carries, but secondly in yards with uh, nearly 1,100. Uh, Richard McCorley was second on the club in carries with 143 and finished fourth in rushing. But the dude knows how to finish. He had 18 rushing touchdowns a year ago as part of, like, a five-headed monster at back. Um, they returned two of their four leading receivers, but for me, the headliner is Delaney Hart-Johnson. He showed some really big play potential in 2015, including a 92-yard touchdown catch, um, but he missed all of last year with a broken ankle, and the Lobos returned four offensive line starters. Um, my biggest concern for them, though, defensive coordinator Kevin Cosgrove, he has a nice track record, but just three starters back on defense. That looks tough. Uh, Coach, you got anything to add there on the Lobos? Well, uh, I mean, you have just about uh, some things. Everything in place that they have uh, allows them to be that kind of sleeper team that's lying in the weeds. I mean, they're less talented than Colorado State and Boise State and even Wyoming, but, you know, you got guys that, that have done it. You got Garrett Hughes, all right. You got him as, as one of your key defensive tackles or defensive ends, or anywhere you want to put him on the on the defense. And uh, he's going to go and get you some sacks. You have, uh, you know, your front seven's going to be fairly new. You have only two returning ter- two returning starters on the on the front seven. Three total. Uh, one of them is, is stepping in to be a backup, but you only have two guys that had significant experience. So. Uh, the biggest question mark is going to be the secondary, and that's going to be the difference maker defensively. I mean, can they can they stop the passing? And this is a high flying conference, and, and are they going to be able to line up and stop those guys? And you know, maybe they pick up steam throughout the course of the year. But that's that's kind of the thing that makes me think that hey, they're going to be a bold team. But I don't know if they're really going to be uh, a true contender. But they're they're a team that could gain some confidence. We just don't know. That's the only question. We just don't know. Uh, what they can have because there's so many question marks on the defense. Offense is, is less of a question mark. They got more guys coming back and they look to do some big things. But, you know, again, you got to be able to stop somebody at the end of the day. And, you know, in a conference like this, that could, you know, two stops could mean the difference. And, and I don't know that they could, you know, get two stops if, if they really needed it in the heat of things. Yeah, my, uh, my key dates for the Lobos, just one, uh, September 14th, that Boise State game up there on the Smurf turf. If they're going to be a sleeper, you've got to knock off Boise State. And like I said a few teams ago, where it sits in Boise State's schedule is advantageous. A trap game, October 14th at Fresno State. The Lobos actually have a bye week to prepare for that game, but then they host Colorado State, and then they go to Laramie. So it's right before their division hopes are either made or broken. Tough to know how they'll be – you know, up for that game against such a terrible-looking Fresno State team. My prediction, though, I have five games that honestly just look like locks right now in the offseason with Air Force at home being extremely winnable. Um, So matching last year's impressive nine-win regular season will really come down to the upsets they pull. And personally, 
I'd love to see this team win November 11th at Texas A&M just to shut up those annoying fans at Kyle Field. I wouldn't complain about that either. <laughs> um, all right, so then uh, you've got Air Force, and uh, I, I assume coming in uh, ahead of Utah State at the bottom of the division. Yeah, you'd be right. Uh, the thing about Air Force that you have to like is they have both quarterbacks back from last year. Uh, Aaron Worthman really jump-started the team last year when he was finally given the keys. Uh, but when you run the option, having both back is nice. Uh, running back Timothy McVeigh, uh, not the Oklahoma City bomber, but uh, running back at Air Force. He looks ready to be the feature back, so I expect the running game to be incredible as well. And how about this, Matt, a position you love, uh, Ryan Rafit. He caught eight balls for 173 yards last year, as well as some bone-crushing hits. Dude is a very solid tight end. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love me some good inline tight ends. <laughs> uh, the biggest concerns... <laughs> the biggest concerns for the Falcons, uh, outstanding wide receiver Jalen Robinette graduated. You know, the defense of Wesson Steelhammer is among 12 of the 13 top tacklers from last year to graduate. That's Oof. a ton to fill in. That, I, 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 I mean, that's going to be too much for, for any squad to overcome. I mean, you have, I mean, you have one returning starter on defense and, you know, yeah, these guys. Some of these guys may have played, but again, the same thing I said about New Mexico State. They have even more question marks to fill. Nate, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see them having in such a loaded division, or even just a loaded conference. Really, I, I just don't, I don't see how they can really jump in there and and, and contend. But I, I like New Mexico State. Not well, New Mexico State. I, I like New Mexico uh, more so than you know, more so than Air Force. And I think it's, they just have too many question marks. Well, Utah State, which is going to round off, off the bottom of the uh, of, of the division, has got to be the, the school that has the coach on the hottest seat, and that's obviously Matt Wells. Yeah, they do. Um, they, they have a nice running back group. It's a, it's a deep group. They rushed for 2,000 yards as a team last year. The secondary also looks pretty good. Uh, Dalen Lavette was outstanding last year after transferring from BYU. And Jalen Davis at corner has started all 35 games of his career. The linebacking group also has some experience. But overall, there's only eight starters back, a three and nine team last year. And I don't know of another team that has a worse looking outlook in the trenches. Four starters gone from the O-line, three starters gone from the defensive line. All right. Uh, Coach, anything to add there before we head on to the – the Western Division? No. All right. Well, let, let, let's do that it. That pretty much sums up Utah State football. Yeah, it, it does. Their, their opening, uh, their season with the Gary Anderson Bowl, um, <laughs> Utah State versus Wisconsin. Um, you know, the, the loser has to play Oregon State, I would hope. But, um, yeah, so let's head over. Uh, San Diego State graduated Donnell Pumphrey, um, who now is uh, has the record for most yards uh, rushing in uh, FBS history. Um, he's in but, Philly. Yeah, he's in Philly, uh, you know, doing okay in the preseason. But, Josh, I know you're a pretty big fan of the guy that's going to be replacing him. Yeah, to quote the who, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, San Diego State, nothing changing. They're among the most talented teams in the entire conference, and they have the privilege of playing in the easier of the two divisions. Uh, so you mentioned their running back, uh, Rashad Penny, rushed for 1,000 yards last year. He's more than ready 
for the headlining gig. And Rocky Long likes that one-two punch. You have another guy way in the wings, Jawan Washington, had 454 yards on just 56 carries last year as a freshman. I mean, to even get that many touches with such a good backfield was amazing. Their running game is going to be so good again, but it doesn't stop there. The 17th best defense in the country last year returns a bunch of talent, including defensive back Cameron Kelly, but five picks. Oh, yeah, did I mention this team had the most interceptions last year of anyone in college football? Yeah, Kelly had five picks. Ron Smith had three picks, but he found a pretty good use out of those three picks. He housed two of them, Uh, and that was as a freshman. They also have uh, Parker Baldwin as another solid safety. They run this kind of wonky three-safety look, uh, so to have those guys back is incredible. They have two solid linebackers and both of their starting defensive ends back. And now we get to the quarterback. Christian Chapman, he had a solid debut season last year as a starting quarterback. Nearly 2,000 yards, 61 completion percentage, 8 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, just 6 interceptions. Uh, There was more than enough to keep teams honest. I expect him to continue to develop and be an even more of a playmaker, whereas last year, I think game manager is kind of insulting. Uh, I think he was a difference maker. I think he continues to improve. And then Matt, again, special teams. John Barron II rose a candidate a year ago, will be again this year in his first season of kicking duties last year, 21 and 23 on field goals, 56 of 58 on point afters. That's pretty damn good the last time I checked. Josh, I'm going to jump in there on the, on the special teams. San Diego State doesn't just have the best special teams in the Mountain West. They might have the best special teams in the entire country when you add in the running back. You mentioned Rashad uh, Penny, who is a heck of a kick returner, and uh, punt returner Quest Truxton, another all-name team <laughs> candidate. Oh, yeah. Uh, both of those guys, first team, uh, all-Mountain West last year returning. They are, you know, as well-rounded a special teams unit. And we've, we've talked on this podcast so many times about how important third phase is. You know, they, you know, it, it's those, it'll be those little differences that go on to win games for them. And I, I'm with you, Josh. I think they are the class of the West Division. I don't think anyone else is really all that close. Well, to tie a bow on San Diego State, uh, their leading receivers are also back uh, wide receiver Micah Holden. Holder, excuse me, and a solid-looking tight end, David Wells. Really, my only question for this team is David Wells had Jones fracture and is coming out foot surgery in the offseason, and that's about the only thing you can ding them for. They look stacked. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they have a physical run game, which is what I like, and, and that's kind of what they live by, and they just base everything off of their their physical run team, and they, they feature the tight end. I mean, what – what more can you say about power football than, you know, this is the epitome of power football, you know, pound the rock, hit the tight end and, and have a, have a playmaking receiver go deep downfield. I mean, you know, you limit your mistakes, you find your tight end, and then you just implement that physical run game. And I mean, that's, that's the formula for success in this conference. And they're a team that does that. Not really any other team does it and All not right. really any other team does it as well. Um, um, couple yeah. key dates. Couple key dates for San Diego State. Uh, September 9th at Arizona State. And September 16th versus Stanford. The reason I picked those games is, I think they're a lot to win their division. The question is, can they make the new New Year Six as the representative of the Group of Five? Can they even crash the college football playoffs? For either of those two dreams, uh, they got to do well in these Power Five matchups. 
All right. Well, uh, who do you have as the runner-up in the West? I have Hawaii. Um, they have tons of offensive players back. It's a unit that finished 59th nationally overall last year, which is not a bad feat for first-year coach. They return a quarterback, junior QB, Drew Brown. Uh, he didn't get the job until the fourth week last year. Uh, but even in an abbreviated season, he put up nearly 2,500 yards, has 62.4 completion percentage, 19 touchdowns, seven picks. Uh, they have a 1,000-yard back as well in uh, – Saint-Juste. He's got an awesome French name. His first name is really difficult to pronounce, so I apologize to him already. It's, I believe, Diosemi, but I'm not entirely sure on that. Uh, either way... I, th- he, I, th- I, th- I think it's Diosemi. Diosemi? Okay. Well, he lets his play do his speak at Forbes. Like I said, a thousand years. He had an ambitious goal. He gave an interview this season. He wants to personally run for 1,500 yards and have Hawaii in the Mountain West title game. So that's his goals for the season. Uh, and I think he's got the game to back at least part of that up, maybe the 1,500-yard part. Um, they have a deep receiving core. Uh, they graduated Marcus Kemp with 1,000 yards last year. But pretty much everyone else is back. Um, so that's nice to have. The downside for Hawaii and why they aren't going to be able to catch San Diego State is they're on their fifth defensive coordinator in five years. That defense finished 119th a year ago. That's that's pretty rough. They've got I, I mentioned Jelani Tavai earlier. He is a great linebacker, but everyone else around him is, uh, you know, uh, replaceable to be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I I, I don't love that. Um, uh, coming in third, who uh, if you uh, you know some people out there like UNLV, uh, some people out there are more up, uh, uh, you know, are, are more uh, leaning towards Nevada. Who have you got? Well, I count me in that group of people that sort of like this UNLV team. Ooh. Uh, they only won four games a year ago, but their Rebs have the 22nd best rushing attack nationally. And they returned five of seven guys who had at least 200 yards rushing a season ago. Uh, including Charles Williams, who led the team in both carries and yards. Uh, they don't have a bad receiving group for such a run heavy team. Uh, it's headed by Devontae Boyd, who caught 45 balls a year ago for 746 yards, and that's while having an injury-plagued season. He was a pre-season All-Mountain West performer coming into last year and still put up those numbers while working with a bum body. Uh, and their schedule also sets up nicely. They avoid Boise State, Colorado State, and Wyoming in crossover games. So what's holding them up? Their quarterback play was woefully inconsistent a year ago. They really need redshirt freshman Armani Rogers to pan out. And they also are a team looking for defensive bodies. You only have two starters back from last year's awful defense. Yeah, well, Armani Rogers, coach, I know you've seen tape on this guy. This guy is a freak athlete. He's the son of former Buffalo Bill great linebacker Sam Rogers. Uh, yes. You know, coming out of high school, he's about 6'5", 6'6", 200 pounds. Uh, four-star recruit on some services, three-star on others. But he's a yeah. real true dual threat, um, dual threat guy. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's – it's unbelievable what he can do and how talented he is and just how much pressure he puts on defenses. And, and it's really, I mean, it, it's, 
you know, if you get a chance to watch this guy, I mean, I, I, I would take that, I mean, I would take advantage of that. And, and he is, I was honestly, I was surprised that he ended up at, I'm surprised he ended up at UNLV, but I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be fun to watch him. I think he's just so multi-talented. You know, he is, you know, you put labels on some guys, it's like, ah, dual threat. And, and it's really just because they can run and sort of pass. I mean, this guy, actually this guy can do, can do both. I mean, he can truly hurt you in both. And, and, you know, it's not just a label with him. I think he truly epitomizes a dual threat. All right. Well, uh, Josh, you got, you got Nevada next. So I had a hard time figuring out fourth, fifth, and sixth, and because they're all terrible. Yeah, I mean, Nevada, Fresno, and San Jose State—they just have so many massive issues that I'm not even sure it really makes sense putting them in final standing. Um, you know, Hawaii I think makes it back to a bowl game. I think UNLV has six manageable to winnable games and could be knock on the door of a bowl. These other three teams, I don't see it happening whatsoever um i'll start with nevada uh they have a new coach who's bringing in a new up-tempo system i think that'll take time to figure out they're kind of unproven and or questionable at who's going to be at most of their skill positions outside of quarterback uh the defense is also switching schemes going from a 4-3 to a 3-3-5 that's not at least a horrible road schedule these are their road games uh, Northwestern, Washington State, Colorado State, Boise State, and San Diego State. That's not all of them. That's five of their six road games. Honestly, matching last year's five and seven record would be a quietly solid outcome for this Wolfpack team. Um, yeah, well, let's. Uh, well, why don't you just finish off Fresno State and San Jose State for us? Because right. there, there's not a whole lot to add on any of these teams because no, not really. Be contenders. No. Uh, so Fresno, okay, they got. They got a kind of a nice receiving group for such a terrible-looking team, so maybe they can take advantage against some of these teams that I mentioned having tons and tons of new faces on defense. Um, but they're coming off a 1-11 season that was possibly the worst season in school history. So Tedford is a big improvement at coach, but he's got nothing to work with. There are another team switching defensive schemes, which is always – uh, I think that's really bumpy to do. I, I almost always count that as a negative for a team. And then their non-conference features trips to Alabama and Washington and hosting BYU. Um, I mean, like, they've got an FCS team. They've got Nevada. they got San Jose State. They've got UNLV and Hawaii. And so, so they got some games where maybe they can double or triple last year's woeful one win. But that, that's, a you know, silver lining for them. San Jose State, of these three teams, is actually the only one that I think can put something together. To me, they have the highest ceiling, but at the same time, they have the lowest floor. So what I like about this is they have a decent secondary. In fact, they finished 19th in pass defense a year ago. Um, Malik Robinson and some other running back talent gives them a shot at having an offense. They don't have a bad receiving group either. The problem is the offensive line is experienced, but the two years they've had together, they've allowed 88 sacks. So maybe they've all grown up. We'll see. This is another team switching defensive schemes and a team with questions at quarterback. Um, you know, if that OL gets together, like I said, maybe maybe the Spartans can stun some people because they won four games a year ago and they have a manageable schedule to get to about four wins again this year. So maybe a couple upsets gets them to a bowl, but 
uh, it, it's it's tough to know with that bad of an offensive line. All right. Well, Colorado State, San Diego State in the Mountain West title game. Uh, Josh, who do you see moving on? Three in a row, San Diego State. All right. All right. Anything to add to, to wrap up here the Mountain West? Oh, my individual accolades, offensive player of the year. I'm going with a running back. I'm going with Rashard Penny. I just think that Allen not winning the division will be a difference maker. Honorable mention, obviously, Brett Rippin up there at Boise State. Defensive player of the year, Matt, you loved him as well. I love him too, David Moa. At Boise State, honorable mention, Cameron Kelly at San Diego State. Coach of the Year, the Fighting Bobos. Uh, honorable mention, Rocky Long. Hottest seat, Matt Wells in Utah State. All right. Uh, I, yeah, uh, if, if I couldn't go with David Moa or um, – or um, my uh, or my or my linebacker there in Hawaii, uh, I, I you know a little more dark horsey, but look out for Andrew Wingard, the safety at Wyoming. Uh, he's mm-hmm. one of the veteran leaders there in, in the defensive backfield. So, uh, coach, anything for you to add here? Well, I mean, I, I think that the Fighting Bobos are going to give this conference something to look at. I think this is the year they break through. I, you know, I, I think they have a really good shot at it. Um, ultimately, I think they break through in their division, but I just don't think they're strong enough to beat San Diego State. Uh, I think your coach of the year is Mike Bobo. I think you're uh, – I, I do agree there. Your coach on the hot seat, again, um, it could be – it could be uh, it could be any of those bottom feeder teams like Fresno, San Jose State, or Utah State. Um, I don't really know. Uh, newcomer of the year could be our boy at UNLV, Armani Rogers. Uh, he could come in and, and do some huge things in light of this conference uh, stat-wise. I, I don't think it's going to be enough to really truly make them a contender. He might he might stat their way into a sleeper um, and, and maybe make some noise and maybe play spoiler. I, I don't know they're going to be a true contender in that division, but he could, uh, he could get freshman of the year. And, uh, of course, I think uh, offensive player of the year is going to be Rashad Penny and Defensive Player of the Year, I think, is going to be Garrett Hughes. All right. All right. Well, that will do it for our first conference preview here at the Mountain West. Uh, we'll be back at you with some Conference USA action coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.